where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. Previously we've discussed the Bermuda Triangle because of how Carla and Cliff talked about it, but in this episode we're talking about the Boston Triangle. In the episode The Triangle, episode 15 of season 4, aired 23rd of January 1986, directed by James Burroughs, resident director Jimmy B, and written by Susan Seeger. The guest stars in this episode, you've seen them all before. They're basically part of the Cheers cast now. It's Kelsey Grammer as Dr. Fraser Crane and Al Rosen as Al. What do you think of this episode, John? Yeah, it's quite a good episode. This season has took a turn of a lot of psychology-based episodes. But what I do like in this one, it's about getting Fraser out of a slump, which he's been in for most of the season. Most of the season, 15 episodes or so. He came into this season with a gun and sense of (laughs) disappointment in himself. Well, at least in this episode, he finds a little bit of purpose. But should we start with the cold opening, James? What a best place to start. It's party time, isn't it? Yeah, and, uh, well, no. (laughs) Not yet. It's at the weekend because Cliff is having a party. House party at the Clavens house. From the sounds of it, it's going to be a pretty good, pretty good invite. Yeah, I got some beers, some snacks, maybe some paint, eh? Cold cuts galore and a bucket of slaw. If it rhymes, there's good times. <laughs> the object of this party is to paint Cliff's attic as well. You ever gone to a party in an attic? What do you mean? You ever been to an attic party? Not just explicitly the, the attic. I've been to a party which extended into the attic. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you went up into the attic and went, well, no wonder people don't have parties up here. This is much too small for partying. Do you mean attic or attic conversion? I I mean the attics with the beams and the soundproofing and the whatnot. When you say soundproofing, do you mean mean insulation? Yeah. Do you mean like a dark attic space that you had to have a ladder to get up into? Yeah. Okay, no, no, I've never been in an attic party. I've been in a party that's extended into a converted attic, which has stairs and is just an extra room in the house. I've never been in a party and they went, let's go into the attic, and then they call it soundproofing, not insulation. It's student days, John. We just went, oh, what's in here? Ah, unsurprisingly, when you're in the top floor and you you keep going up, you find yourself in the attic. (laughs) That's all it was when we went, what are all these electronic things? Ah, this must be where the internet lives. Let's not stay here. Okay. About four minutes when we realised there was nothing fun up there. (laughs) That kind of covers the cold opening, maybe. As we jump into the main part of this episode, it's very much about Sam, Diane and Fraser Crane. The love triangle, perhaps. Yeah, essentially Diane is worried about Fraser because he has been on, I was going to say on the edge of depression, maybe past the edge of depression. He's definitely in a downward spiral. It's quite the concern for a lot of people in the bar. Poor Fraser lost his job and all he's got working for him is a drinking problem. Which uh, I think I was confronted a little bit earlier on in the season where we've heard that he's been working up quite a bar tab. There's only one person in Cheers who can do that and that's Norm. He's the king of beers, so no one can take that away from him. That's why they all cheer his name when he walks in. They're all praising the king. Whereas Fraser walks in and they just go, pay your tab. You, you disgraced psychiatrist, you. You may never sweep the floors here again until you've paid your tab. Now, out with you, unless you can give psychiatric help. Which is what Diane thinks he needs to do. She needs someone in the bar to approach Fraser with a psychiatric problem so he can diagnose them and then become a psychiatrist again. She tries to convince Sam to be that patient. 
It has mixed results. But results. <laughs> but what's interesting is that Woody doesn't really know Frasier in his psychiatric capacity, because for most of this season, Frasier has either not been around or has been the janitor. <laughs> Another interesting point, which at first appeared to just be nonsensical arguments, much like, you know, they had in the first episode with the sweatiest movie ever made. It's a staple of Cheers where they have these debates and they argue about while E. Coyote and why he chases the roadrunner. Cliff hypothesizes that while is obsessed with that particular roadrunner, Norm elaborates on this by saying never eats anything else. Now, this pattern of behaviour is also shown in addicts, so could fall into the addiction and obsession problems that both Sam and Frasier have had, one, with alcohol, and two, with Diane herself. Interesting. No. But very. Uh, yeah, Wildy Coyote. I like that they brought him up as well. <laughs> That's my input. John approves. <laughs> Perhaps it wasn't as nonsensical as first seemed. So this kind of plan which Diane has, she, she managed to coax Sam into going along with it. And Sam approaches Frasier for help with, with some problems. I'm depressed. Well, hey, who isn't? Sam was initially hesitant to break the news to Frasier because one of the symptoms of depression is what you would call it, loss of libido. Not wanting to have any sex, forget it. No, no, no. I don't like to lie about things like that. Oh, Sam. When I was a kid, I used to make goofy faces. My mom used to say, don't do that. It may stay that way. I'm not doing anything goofy with my sex life. Which was a very Sam response. <laughs> but Frasier, he diagnoses it, no problem. The reason why Sam is depressed is because he's clearly still in love with Diane. <laughs> Jason, we're in season one and two again. It's the age-old tale, John. Man is baseball player. Man becomes alcoholic. Man owns bar, gets over alcoholism. Woman enters man's life. Man and woman debate whether they should be together. They be together. They break up. Woman meets other man. She goes to get married to him. She leaves him at the altar. She goes back to work for first man. And then the other man comes back and there's a whole triangle. And it turns out the ex-baseball player and the woman were in love all along. It's a story as old as time. That's it. Then the lie becomes more elaborate. I say lie. It's truth. But it becomes more elaborate. And then Diane is folded into it as well. But they're both pretending to love each other, but not love each other. Well, Frasier hypothesizes that the only way that Sam can confront his feelings is if he tells Diane. And I'm going, uh, Frasier, you might be drunk, but you're, you're a sly one. <laughs> Maybe he was like, if these two are going to mess with me, I'm going to mess with them and get revenge. Because <laughs> these two, they ruined my life. You're tearing me apart, Diane. <laughs> Sam and Diane, they go into the office and saying, oh, right, Frasier, he wants me to say this to you. And... Diane goes, all right, well, how will you say it? And they have this whole bickering about how Sam should confess his love to Diane and how Diane should confess her love back, which I don't really see the motivation behind. It would be much simpler if she just went, no. But then it wouldn't be as funny. They, you know, hypothesize this really elaborate plan going for a nice romantic evening. And then they argue about each other and they go, well, no, don't do this. This isn't romantic. Just as the argument's getting heating up and they go, I hate you. I hate you. Then Frasier shows up. I'll change mine. Yours was I hate you. Mine'll be I hate you. Oh, great. <laughs> and I just bought three Italian suits. But does he become a sort of moderator of the conversation? He tells them off, doesn't he? He scolds no. them. Stop playing these games. We all know you love each other. Even I know you love each other. And I just came in as a romantic foil for season three. <laughs> And I'm still here. And I'm not even a main cast member. This 
guy came in, got a pen. You gave him a job immediately, Sam. When's my starring role? So well, no wonder he's so angry. And then he, he leaves, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he leaves and they have to think about what he's told them. Let's put his quote in. You're both pitiful. I'm pitiful. We're all three a pitiful menage a boobs. <laughs> well, this boob is moving on. You know, you two may not have the courage to face it, but I finally do. Sam and Diane. You are now and have always been hopelessly in, I guess the word for it, is love. And unfortunately for you, like it or not, you always will be. So I know, I know! Now you're going to deny it. Even though it's ludicrously obvious to everyone around you, you two will go on pretending that it's not true because you're emotional infants. You're in a living hell. You love each other and you hate each other and you hate yourselves for loving each other. Well, my dear friends, I want no part of it. It's time I just picked up my life where I left off. It's time to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. So I'll get out of here now so you can just get on with your denial fest. There's kind of a reconciliation at the end between Sam and Diane after all their bickering. I don't know where this sets us up for the next episode or the rest of the season, though, to be honest. Yeah, and they're kind of awkward, but then they go like, you know, I actually liked that thing you did. I did enjoy it. I was just lying. But an interesting thing that I want to raise is at the start of this season, we talked about how Diane had to make a decision as to whether she should return to Cheers and this to her representing a moral decision of giving into a life of sin or facing penance for her sins and staying at the convent. Does the final exchange of this episode reveal that she has accepted that she can no longer forgive her sins and deserves to face the living hell that Cheers has for her, as long as she has the freedom to keep living the life she previously wanted to leave behind? Like a coyote chasing the roadrunner, she just can't (laughs) give it up, John, as whether she wants to admit it or not, it makes her happy. That's the trivia bell, and I've got some lovely trivia for you here today. What is Diane reading in this episode? What is her literature of choice? I mean, there's no way I'm going to be able to guess this, but I'll put in the uh, adequate thinking time to make it sound like I've really pondered it and then go, I don't know. Nicholas Nickleby by Charles Dickens. We mentioned very early in this episode that Cliff was having a party. I was wondering if you could kind of give a brief outline of how that party went from Norm's perspective. Oh, he showed up and Ma Clavin was there. And they were painting away. There was no cold cuts galore, no big bucket of slaw and no beer. Yeah, exactly. He was the only one that showed up to paint. And he was the only one who did paint because Cliff and his mother argued about who forgot to pick up the food and beer. In this episode, Frazier, ex-psychiatrist, we've talked about his uh, alcoholism, but he gives quite a witty greeting to his beer when he first enters. It's almost a normism. What does he say to greet his beer? I don't know. He says, now there's a head I can shrink. (laughs) Psychologist puns. A slight follow-up to the party. Norm is asked, at least did they thank him for his hard work? How did they thank him? A written letter? No. Cliff's mother said, your friend sweats like a mule. That was how they thanked him. So that is the last call, James, at the bar. It was a good episode. I I enjoyed this one. It was a good episode. It was one that required quite a lot of prior knowledge of a lot of the characters. I think the only character who wasn't a major player this episode was Carla. As I elaborated earlier on, it feels like quite a good microcosm 
of the Sam, Diane and Frasier relationship so far. Yeah, it feels like we haven't seen... I know Frasier was in the last episode, but he didn't play a huge role within that last episode. So it's quite nice to see him taking on more of a, a lead role in an episode again. Yes, and as I also discussed, it does fall back into the season four premiere and how it was described as hell of sorts. Very interesting concept. I'm not sure if you've seen the ending of Quantum Leap, but Sam Beckett finds himself in a bar and it's essentially like a midway point in his spiritual journey in that he can choose to keep leaping throughout time, but if he does so, he will never return home. But yeah, I think I think this has been quite a good episode. I suppose this is running up to the mid-season. So it's good to sort of highlight some of those points, like you say, addressing the beginning of this season, the decisions that had to be sort of made at the beginning. Take stock of how the characters progressed. Quite a while ago now, we talked to Ken Levine, how we said that, you know, the, the central theme, Sam and Diane, had to be sort of maintained throughout the seasons. It feels like this is sort of a, maybe a tentpole in that that narrative. Yes, and it definitely falls into what Ken was saying about the serialised nature of the stories in Cheers. What are we going to be drinking this episode as our special... Big bucket of slaw. (laughs) Maybe some beers with that. To wash it down. In line with that, I'd like to raise the big bucket of slaw to Wildy Coyote and his uh, endeavour to to get Roadrunner. His quest for Roadrunner, never giving up on his dreams, even if he has to go through cliff edges to do so. Even if he has to, you know, face many unexpected consequences because of those Acme products, he never gives up on his dreams, John. That's what he's doing. And maybe this is what the characters in Cheers are like. They face many difficulties, many, many problems, many obstacles they have to overcome, but always have their eyes on the prize. With that, such a great... Such a great on-topic ending. I'll I'll raise the the bucket of slow and say thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name. This has been a Cheers podcast. (laughs) 